And on this episode of the Reclaiming the Garden podcast, we are talking about musicals. Yes! Um, In honor of the fact that it is June, it is Tony season, um, and we have been wanting to make an episode about musicals since the beginning, uh, since we basically started. Yes, it was one of the first things I put in the chat or in the planning document we have, and then you were like, yes, and, we had the, and you were the one to suggest like Tony season. Um, so yeah, we've been both really excited about this because we're both very gay and nerdy about musicals. So, <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, as people who are uh, progressive Christians, we of course thought it would be interesting to specifically like analyze musicals that kind of make us think about theology and spirituality. Um, and I guess, you know, usually we start off our episodes by breaking down what we were taught about a certain topic, but of course for this we can't really <laughs> apply it the same way we usually do. I mean, you know, we weren't really taught about musicals in church, lol, um, though we were told to, you know, about any media we consume, we were kind of given the admonition to like, you know, what you watch should have cuss words in it or sexually yeah. explicit things. Or, like, I feel like Sound of Music was the first musical that I was ever like formally introduced to, and that was uh, at my Christian school. But like Sound of it Music is a very is, like yeah, very. I mean, like granted, a lot. It's not. It's like obviously like, there's like the whole like you know the Nazis, but it was yeah. very much like listening to like Do Re Mi and Sound of Music and Julie Andrews and that whole like I feel like that's kind of especially for evangelicals and that's kind of like the um the first one that a lot of people will see or like the really old like book musicals i know seven brides for seven brothers early ones for me were like well for one thing i guess disney channel musicals oh yeah i guess yeah (laughs) but also um annie specifically like the Mm -hmm. 90s disney version oh Um, my gosh that was so underrated yeah it was i mean it was the only one that i really watched um and then um trying to oh yeah mama mia also was another Mm -hmm. early one the the movie version yeah Um, gotcha I know. I think also as a kid, I, I mean, granted it is not, uh, you know, it is definitely not an appropriate musical for when I first saw it, but Grease was the first one that I really watched a lot as a kid. Um, and I remember we had like the DVD. Oh I yeah. Had. I also watched Grease a lot, like as a kid. And yeah, I yeah, mean, I like, it's not... kind of goes over your head. I mean, it is weird that like, I feel like in our culture, it's just okay for like any age to watch Grease. But... Everyone's seen Grease. I just remember like the DVD copy I had had a lyric book in it and it was funny because first of all the whole song grease lightning is just a big like sexual Sex double or yes. single entendre <laughs> and i didn't know what any of it meant obviously i didn't know what the chicks will cream will meant um but there's a line where it's like like you know we don't like we don't get no shit or something and i thought that was hilarious and i remember going up to my dad with the lyrics I think, like dad I guess what's in here the first time that i actually learned what the word tit was was from Greece because I was listening to Greece Lightning and I think my sister explained what like oh my god so. <laughs> but it was so funny because I remember like looking through it I was like dad there's the lyrics to this it's so funny because I didn't know what it meant he's like if you read any of those out loud you're not watching again I'm like okay and so I never like asked about it and then I didn't find out till years later what any of it meant um yeah so I guess we talked a little about musicals that we <laughs> listen to during childhood I guess that's the way we can apply it to our yeah. usual thing um so I guess we can do just go into I mean I know that you've been like wanting to go off on this for forever and talk to me about Jesus Christ Superstar uh, it is um one of my favorites it's so funny because it's like I 
it's Andrew Lloyd Webber's first, if not one of his first musicals. Um, by the way, uh, listeners, if you are new to this, I got my bachelor's in theater, uh, specifically in musical theater. I took a lot of musical theater history classes, so I've been waiting years to use my degree for this purpose. Um, so it's so fun. Jesus Christ Superstar is one of my favorites. Um, it's one of Andrew Lloyd Webber's first. Um, it's so interesting because it's not like any of his other shows because like he's more known for like Phantom of the Opera and Cats and um, Sunset Boulevard Nevada with like these really big scores. But then you have this like ragtag rock opera made in the late 60s and it started out as a concept album um, and then it became a musical on Broadway and then it became a movie and now there's been um, a ton of different iterations of it. And the first time I watched it, I think, was maybe later in high school, I want to say. Like, I knew the song, Jesus Christ Superstar. Like, I knew some of the songs from it. But, like, the first time I saw it in its entirety was when I was a little bit older. And I watched it with my aunt, who has every single word to that musical completely memorized. So that was a fun experience. Um, And I absolutely loved it. I love it because, like, it very much humanizes the passion story in a way. Um, it humanizes Judas. It humanizes Jesus. Like that whole movie, like humanizes the entire um, Easter story and the Good Friday story, but from like like more than the Bible ever did for me, and more than church ever did. Um, and so it's very, I really like it because again, it shows that every single person was flawed, and it really kind of plays into the you know Jesus was all man and all God, but really plays into the all man part of it. I mean, to the point of not showing the resurrection, which is a lot of conservative Christians wag their finger at it because of that reason. That's the big, um, (laughs) yeah, that is unfortunately a huge uh, criticism of it. And the irony is at the end of the movie, um, and this was like, I found out later, this was an accidental shot, is like, there's like the ending score being played out and like, spoiler alert, Jesus gets crucified. And um, they're like all getting back on the bus to leave because it's kind of like a weird concept. Anyways, um, at the very end, like you see the cross and you see like the sunset. And then apparently a shepherd, like a real life shepherd from Israel and his sheep wandered in front of the shot. So you see this silhouette of a shepherd and sheep walking by and they didn't notice it till it was, they were in editing and they're like, oh, we're keeping that in. Like that's like, that happened and that was like way too perfect. So in theory, there is an accidental, an accidental, there is an accidental allegory of a shepherd and sheep at the end of the Jesus Christ Superstar movie. But there is no, like, explicit mention of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there is, like, controversy, too, of, like, really leaning into the fact that, like, oh, like, Jesus, like, like, Jesus is, like, you know, friends with Mary Magdalene and, like, ooh, there could be something more there. Though never, it's never fully, like, stated and it's never implied, but, like, mm-hmm. Judas kind of implies it. But Jesus is like, no, like, yeah, I mean, he definitely, I mean, he, yeah, he definitely goes into the Mary Magdalene was a prostitute vibes, mm-hmm. which is not true. No, <laughs> she just had a ton of demons cast out. She was not a prostitute. Okay. And also, who cares if she was? Um, true, because he also, like, Jesus yeah. also hung out with sex workers before, like, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um. But yeah, it's one of my favorites. I would love to do, I remember for a long time, my dream role was to play Judas. Um, if that opportunity did ever present itself, I would I would absolutely do it. Um, love the music, love the lyrics. Again, one of my favorite Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals, and it's not like any of his other shows. 
Um, yeah, the first time I saw it was the um, the live, I think, like Fox version in oh, like 2018 yeah. with uh, John Legend playing playing Jesus, right? I yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I didn't like I didn't get into it because I just I didn't I guess I didn't like the way that they did it. But then once I watched the movie, I was like more into it specifically into um, heaven on their minds. I think like the way that that guy in the movie sings it is like, oh, Car- right? Carly also, Anderson, of course, is a really interesting like look into, you know, Judas, particularly like seeing him within his space is like he's worried about being an occupied person under the empire, you know, like, yeah. And, you know, he's like, do you not see how put down we are? And yeah. that kind of thing. Um, so I think that's really interesting to see. Yeah. And I also like, especially how, I feel like Judas is kind of becomes like the voice of present reason in a way. Mm-hmm. So like, as Judas is getting ready to hang himself, he's like, you knew all this whole, like you knew all the time that I was going to be used for this purpose. Like I was going to be saddled with the killing of Jesus. And like, he kind of becomes that voice of reason. And then in the, song jesus christ superstar it's that whole thing of like like if you'd come today you would have reached the whole nation israel in 4 bc had no mass communication like he's kind of the present mm-hmm. voice of reason and it's kind of like oh yeah like why would jesus come to this time where they're literally the only record would be writings that were written years and years and years after he even mm-hmm. existed so it's just like oh like it it does kind of spark that theological imagination of like, oh, wow, that's, it's all very interesting. But I did see the live version, uh, the Fox version. Um, I think John Legend did his best. He's a crooner. He's not a rock star. Um, but I thought the gentleman that, I don't remember what his name was, but the gentleman that played Judas in that version, who was also in Hamilton, did fantastic. Sarah Burrells was in it. She was fantastic. Um Alice Cooper playing King Herod was a choice. A great choice. <laughs> Especially because he's like an evangelical Christian. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have any other. Oh, um, some thoughts to share about Jesus Christ Star from um, one of my friends and fellow Holland's alum on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, said, I think watching especially the movie really shifted my perspective about betrayal, innocence, and redemption. I like how Judas is portrayed a lot in that musical, just a casualty to the divine plan, fated to destroy his teacher and ultimately himself. Dang, I like that a lot. Because again, it's not, there is, I think it's very easy to teach the crucifixion story as like, there was very clear evil and very clear good, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But people neglect to remember that Judas was a human. Like Judas wasn't some Mm -hmm. evil mastermind. uh, Judas was just like a person like Peter wasn't some like, ooh, I'm going to like betray Jesus. Like Peter was just uh, terrified of being killed by mm-hmm. the Romans. Like, yeah, it's, it's like it really does. I I do really appreciate that human aspect of it because it shows that all of us, like the disciple, like the disciples, no one, none of them were better than the rest of us. Now, like we're all just trying to navigate our way mm-hmm. through um, oppressive religion and oppressive regimes and. We have to kind of do our best with what we have and that sometimes our best intentions may not always come to fruition. Um, I guess if you want, we can move on to Godspell, which is another kind of like movie about like G- Jesus from like the same period. Um, I forget who the producers are of this one. 
Uh, you... So Stephen Schwartz was the composer. Um, and Stephen Schwartz is most popularly known for composing Wicked and oh. for composing Pippin. And another, he didn't, uh, I can double check on this. He didn't compose the music, but he did write the lyrics for Prince of Egypt, which is what, which is one we'll be talking about in a little bit too. Um, I actually have not seen Godspell. Um, I've listened to the soundtrack, um, know it very, very well. Um, I know it's based more on the Matthew the Gospel, though. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, it's a very focused on, like, parables and things, whereas I think that, like, yeah, I think that Jesus Christ Superstar is focused, I guess, a lot more on, like, actions and not so much on the teaching aspect and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I did actually get to see a um, live production of it at my um, college, and because Hollins is a, a historically women's college, they cast a um, Black woman to play Jesus. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it was really cool to be able to um, to be able to see that, and um, and I was just I was really captivated by the music. I mean, what's also interesting is thinking about it at the time. Like, I still it was spring of twenty seventeen, so I was still like evangelical, and so I was a little bit uncomfortable at the end. I'm like, oh, there's no resurrection scene. That's weird. <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, I also yeah. I mean, I think it was cool to see. I guess the 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 you know interpretation of Jesus' teachings because of course when you adapt the life of Jesus you are interpreting the life of Jesus and everything like that um mm-hmm. and um oh my favorite song from that has to be a beautiful city um because obviously mm-hmm. it's so like full of hope about like um you know like the the sort of things that we talked about in the uh, in our heaven and hell episode talking about the idea of new creation you know in in the Bible, there is this vision of like the new the new city um, where you know the river of life runs through it, and um, yeah, and I mean, I guess an, an interesting focus in the song as well is like we will build a city of man, you know, quote unquote man. I mean, it was the, those lyrics were written, you know, in the nineteen seventies uh, yeah. or six, but um, so I guess it's like a focus more on like the human ability to help bring about new creation, which is cool. Yeah. I do very much enjoy Lindsay Mendez's version of Oh Bless the Lord My Soul. Uh she's such a freaking powerhouse. Is that the older version or the newer version? It's the newer revival that I believe came out in I want to say like 2012-ish. After I saw after I saw the um live production at Holland's, I uh, looked up the soundtracks online and so what I would do is I would actually like listen to both the older and the newer and decide which one I liked and that I added that one to my musicals playlist which by the way if anyone's interested my musicals playlist on Spotify is um around 28 hours at this point and it's public so if you want to yes I have that. a musicals one too you know what? we're just gonna have to make a playlist from this episode I think specifically right. yes to do it yes yeah, songs that spark our theological imagination yes <laughs> And it's so funny because speaking of which, like when you say that, like you listen to the different recordings and like which ones speak to you versus Mm -hmm. which ones don't, slightly going back to Jesus Christ Superstar, it's interesting because I grew up listening to the concept album Mm -hmm. so much more than the movie album. My prefers the concept album, whereas, I mean, I guess I haven't listened to it yet, but I just, I really like the movie versions. I've realized like the concept album is definitely, definitely was made from the point of perspective of musicians um and for Mm -hmm. people that don't know the voice of jesus on the concept album is ian 
Gillum, who is the singer of the band Deep Purple. So there's it's an old 60s band and he like ended up not doing the musical because he's like, I want to keep going on tour. And they were like, cool. But it's interesting mm-hmm. because now when I listen to the movie one, you can hear a lot more of the acting in it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it it's not as musically like or it's not as musically technical, I guess. I mean it is, it's still the same composition, but you like the acting comes across in their in like their singing because they're all like a lot of them did originate those roles on Broadway or at the very least mm-hmm. were understudies like I know that Ted Neely was the understudies for like Jesus and Judas and then got the part of Jesus for the movie who by the way as I someone who met him at a sing-along he has an absolute messiah complex but in the best way possible what? <laughs> so the actor that plays Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar the movie is one of the kindest human beings I have ever met in my entire life. Um, Because it was him and Yvonne Elliman who plays Mary Magdalene. They were doing like, you know, like signing things and stuff after this sing-along we went to. And I just asked him because I was acting at the time. I was like, as a fellow actor, I have to ask him like, what's it like to have like your role be Jesus? And he was like, oh, you're an actor? Like he didn't even, like he answered the question, but he was like, I want to know your story like what is it you do and he like gave me a big hug he's like keep pursuing your dreams and like his <laughs> I don't know his handlers his bodyguards were like okay like come on we have a line and he's like no I want to keep talking to my friends here and it was just like like it was really really sweet mm. so that like also I think that added to the experience too it's like oh you're actually like a really nice guy in real life that's so cool nice nice but yeah same with like the god spell like with the different soundtrack sounds like the 70s one definitely sounds very 70s like vocally mm-hmm. it does the music does i like the day by day in the 70s version i do as well than... yeah and i think also all good gifts by my side and on the willows Ooh. which is on the willows uh for those who don't know it's the um song where jesus is dying and some of the lyrics are like oh god you're dying and then jesus says oh god i'm dying <laughs> and it's this interesting like you know the wordplay about like yeah god yeah Um, yes also other fun fact about godspell um the singer for turn back oh man from the original uh recording sofia manzano plays maria in sesame street Hmm. she was she played maria for like that was like her thing for decades and decades after so now whenever i listen to that i'm like oh my gosh it's it's maria from sesame street whenever i hear that song (laughs) That just made me think about technically Sesame Street had this um, musical program, I guess, called um, Christmas on Sesame Street, where, you know, Maria was in that, I believe. And um, you're not reacting, so I guess you haven't seen it. I don't think I have. It's a cute Christmas program for anyone who likes that kind of thing. And it has cute music. Um, Awesome. um, Any other thoughts on Godspell? Not really. I feel like I need to actually see it. Um, um, though I do well, love. I heard some, yeah. I've heard some people say is that they prefer the music in Godspell to like other worship music. Which I mean, honestly, like a lot of it is just like worship. <laughs> I mean, like you, you can be interpreted that way. You know, it really weekends, could. See, like so. Absolutely. Like I think they can absolutely because like, a lot of them are just reinterpretation of Bible passages. Anyways, mm-hmm. it's kind of what a lot of worship music is. Um, so let's go into Prince of Egypt, which I'm going to say this right now. I have, I might've seen it before. I don't really have a good memory. I I know that I need to, um, 
yeah, I, I will. <laughs> I'll join the party. It's just so like, good. Uh, Faith Evolving did recently. Faith Evolving has a um, Mary Claire Kunkel has a video about uh, her reaction to uh, the Prince of Egypt. So you should go check that out. Yes, definitely do it. Oh, it's so okay. I will say the first time I saw Prince of Egypt, I was like six. Um, and I'm just going to say not an appropriate movie for a six year old to watch because while it is animated, it does very much go into things like feeding babies to crocodiles, the plagues, including the death of the firstborn. Like it very much like goes into that and all it, none of it's like shy um, away from them. So yeah. uh, Faith Evolving also made a video about why there is not like a Prince of Egypt too, because the things that happen after they leave Egypt, like. <laughs> it literally ends with, I mean, spo- again, spoiler, but it literally ends with um, Moses just coming out holding the 10 commandments and then it's like, deliver us to the promised land. And then that's like how it ends. Um, so there's no way they could ever make a sequel to that. Um, because of all of the, everything that happens over the next 40 years. That's a pretty sad ending. Yeah. But I absolutely love that movie. Uh, that has kind of become my Passover tradition. Like, if you're a Christian, don't celebrate Passover. But if you would like to observe it. Prince of Egypt is a great movie, um, especially if you aren't as familiar with the Passover story. Um, it's a great way to learn about it. Also, I feel like it's a lot more accurate, I think, than other... I don't know if you've seen the Ten Commandments movie. I refuse. My, it's too damn long. <laughs> my, mom, my mom likes to watch it like every Easter, but Sweet I just... Lord. <laughs> it is three just... and a half hours or something. Like, it's like some ridiculous amount of time. And then it's on ABC, too, with commercials, so it's like five hours long. Yeah. Um, it's a, they definitely take a lot of creative liberties with that movie. Um, there's like weird love affairs. I was going like, to say that, you know, and it's plus it's like all white people playing the characters. But then, of course, yeah. Prince of Egypt, like, has like Branston animated characters. But if you look, a lot of the voices behind them are white. So it's like technically a lot of the voices are like ethnically Jewish. Like Jeff Goldblum is Jewish. Val Kilmer mm-hmm. is Jewish. Like they are Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um but it's a very like it but it's it's i feel like there there could have been more like more voices on it but mm-hmm. that said i've the response to prince of egypt has always been relatively good because from what i've read they got people from all of the different abraham based faiths as consultants mm-hmm. on this and the movie even oh. ends with like a voice, uh, not a voice, a verse from the Quran, a verse from the Torah, mm-hmm. and then a verse mm-hmm. from the Bible, like the New Testament referring to Moses. And so like, that's kind of how it ends too before the mm-hmm. credits. So it's like, they definitely, damn, it's so funny that that's like one of DreamWorks first movies, because they really did their due diligence with it, oh, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's always room for more, um, more diversity. And that was kind of one of the criticisms of the musical, which is on the West End, was that mm-hmm. the cast was pretty white passing. I mean, I don't, maybe some of them were ethnically Jewish, but the cast was pretty white passing and that was kind of a criticism for a bit. Um, but I think that has since changed. But I'd say with the movie, for a movie that was made in 1998, like, not bad. Like, especially in t- looking at a lot of the other biblical epics that we had gotten <laughs> up until that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I know I need to see it. I will eventually. Um... Unless you have any more thoughts to share, we can go into some like lesser known musicals that are explicitly like about the Bible or you know, yeah, kind of absolutely. I don't think I have anything else to share. Just a great movie, and April, you need to see it um, <laughs> in its entirety. Um, I know that there is the follow up to that movie, which is 
Joseph and the King of Dreams. Oh, which was yeah. A, I only saw maybe once or twice. Um, I feel like it probably is kind of paling in comparison to, like, you know, tech, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, get into you, but. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I guess going into the lesser-known musicals, there is Dreamcoat, which is another Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, which I think was kind of written concurrently with superstar because i know that a couple of the songs were like switched in and out a couple of times Mm. like i think like the king herod song was supposed to be a song for pharaoh and it was like Mm. lyrics and stuff were changed um but i haven't really seen that one in its entirety though (laughs) one funny thing um in high school when i had a lot of friends who were mormon they would watch the clip of donny osmond singing close every door like on repeat they're like, oh my god, Donny Osmond, because like Donny Osmond's a Mormon, but he's oh, like, wow. he's like shirtless and he's like singing as like jo- as Joseph being like, close every door to me, and like the children are all singing around him as he's mm-hmm. in his Egyptian prison, and it was always like I thought his voice was great, but it was just very funny. Like that's like my like distinct memory of that musical is uh-huh. having all of my Mormon friends like fangirling over Donny Osmond. Wait, was Donny Osmond also? In Greece? Wait, am I imagining that? I, I'm gonna look that. Actually, Wait, I feel like the, might have... who's, who's the guy who sings? I'm just thinking of who's the guy who sings um, BD School Dropout. I might be totally. Oh no, here. he wasn't in the movie. He was not in the movie Greece. Oh, okay. Um, they did. I know that I'm reading right now. Donnie and Marie did turn down being in Greece in the movie, which would have been weird because they're siblings. Um. And I guess he did He did play the teen angel on the West End for, like, a hot minute, like, as, like, a stunt cast. Hmm. But he wasn't in the movie. Maybe the guy who plays the person in Beauty Skill Job that has a similar name, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't, I don't even know. Anyway, I guess the other musicals that you marked on our planning doc here are Children of Eden and The Apple Tree. Yeah, so <laughs> it's interesting because uh, Children of Eden is another Stephen Schwartz musical. Um, again, Godspell, Wicked, Pippin, lyrics to Prince of Egypt. Um, and that musical, it's the it's not as well known because a lot of the recordings have since been lost to time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find, they're not great quality, but you can find some recordings on YouTube. And then like, it's also a play that's done a lot in like local and regional theater. Um, so the first half is basically about the creation story and Adam and Eve, and it ends with uh, Cain killing Abel and like mm-hmm. Eve having to kind of deal with that. Um, and then the second act goes into Cain and Seth and then like Noah's arc aspect. So it kind of follows the early, the whole thing kind of follows the early Genesis story. Um, it has one of my favorite songs in it, um, which is called The Spark of Creation. Um And it's a song that Eve sings about how there's basically her want, it's like her I want song of like wanting to explore the world outside of the Garden of Eden. Um, And that we have this spark of creation that like we've utilized to create this universe and we need to like use that and make this world better. It's like a really, it's like one of my favorites. It's such a beautiful song. And it's like, I wish that there was like better quality recording out there of it, but it's really good. And then the apple tree, it's, I actually am not super familiar with this musical. I looked it up because the thought came into my brain. I was like, wait, I think that's like another Adam and Eve musical. And it is. Um, But I'm not, 
as familiar with it. So I feel weird being like, let's talk about this musical. I just know that it exists. Oh, okay. um, well, it's just, yeah, another, I mean, another valid. biblical musical out there. And then I'm sure that there are others as well. Um, Cause like I was even doing some research. There's like, there's like a Samson and Del- there's like a Samson and Delilah opera. And then there's like, there's like, like biblical stories have always kind of been a bigger part of the like American media imagination yeah exactly yeah I mean, and we've got a bunch of movies related to like the bible um like one of the good ones is i i mean it's still kind of whitewashed but one of the relatively good ones is mary magdalene which came out i think in like 2018 Ooh. Um, it has i believe it's joaquin phoenix who plays jesus wait am i right about that wait yeah yeah it's joaquin who plays Jesus in that one um yeah I mean it's cool because she you know it's kind of like a very feminist lens looking at Mary Magdalene um anyway were you gonna add anything else about that whole thing like the media imagination oh not really but I did find an article from Premier Christianity, which is the UK's leading Christian magazine. Um, and it's an article that I might link called Why Our Secular Society Can't Get Enough of Bible-Based Musicals. And it seems like a very interesting article because it does go into like Prince of Egypt and Jesus Christ Superstar and like all like Dreamcoat and all of those. So yeah, it's like, it's very interesting because it's always been a part of American media and like especially like the biblical epics of like the 30s 40s 50s like i feel like every single year like during the christian holidays like king of kings is on tv or ben hur is on or mm-hmm. barabbas like they're all it's it's just very and granted we're talking about musicals but it's just like mm-hmm. it's always kind of been there and it's interesting what we put to screen versus what we don't mm-hmm. <clears throat> Definitely. Um, yeah, and I mean, I obviously, I think for musicals, like, you're, you have to, like, choose stories that involve um, a lot less blood, <laughs> usually. Yeah. But for, yeah, I guess in Godspell, um, what happens is that there are these red, or at least in, in the version that I saw in person, um, there were these red, like, things that were put on the, you know, just, like, red fabric that was put on the wrists of uh, the woman playing Jesus uh, during the crucifixion scene. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. You put it down Fiddler. It's an, that's one that I have not seen, and I know I shouldn't see it. I feel like my family might even have the DVD or something. It's um, really long, so hold on to your hat. Um, it's a very long musical, but I really, really enjoyed it the first time I saw it. Um, and it's not an explicitly like biblical musical, but it basically takes place in this town called Anatevka of Russia, and it's during the Tsarist regime right before like the Bolsheviks kind of come to power and it's about this Jewish village and them just having like trying to keep tradition in this changing political dynamic that is kind of more atheistic but trying to hold on to those Jewish values um and it kind of you see it kind of progress throughout the show and it's I really love it I think it's a great show um it has some classics in it sunrise sunset and to life lahayim and uh far from home i love like it's a great show um also same director as jesus christ superstar norman jewison that he directed both of them and it's just to, to be a movie nerd you could there's like certain parts where i'm like oh yep this is like a 
director like signature thing that he's doing in certain uh, in certain shows but like I I would definitely recommend it especially if like if that's if you wanted to learn more about like Jewish culture and like Mm -hmm. how and like granted I believe the writers of the musical were Jewish as well like I'll double check Mm -hmm. on that so it's not like you're getting some weird version of it but it's it because it goes so much more into culture and keeping tradition alive and family and like what is can culture be changed and still be authentic too? Cause there's like, there's, you know, like the whole matchmaker segment too, where like the eldest daughter is being matched to a man who's much older, but she's really in love with this academic. Like it's, it's so it's like, it definitely goes much more into themes of family, but I really love that show. Um, so now it's kind of, I feel like the way that we kind of ended up stru- structuring the musicals in the documentary is like stuff that you're talking a lot more about first and now it's time for me to talk a lot more about things. Um, so, and by the way, thank you for, you know, talking so much because for those who don't know, um, Anna's recovering from COVID right now and like, uh, her lungs got fucked up. So, yeah. So, uh, just quick side story, uh, for people listening. So two weeks ago, I'd said, I just gotten diagnosed with COVID. Um, I'm better now. It took 13 days for me to test negative. So like I got it bad. Um, and then I got pleurisy. So one lung right now, basically it feels like I bruised my ribs. So it kind of hurts to breathe. Um, and basically what pleurisy is, is you have like protective layer on the outside of your lung that keeps your lung from like hitting against your rib cage when you do things like breathe or mm-hmm. cough. But I coughed so damn much that um, the pleura got irritated. So now it's literally just my lungs hitting my rib cage whenever I cough. So it really freaking hurts. Um, all to say, uh, you know, get vaccinated, get boosted, keep wearing masks. And if you've had COVID, still wear masks because you can get it again. Um just be careful out there. And I'm doing a lot better now. I'm on a cocktail of different antibiotics for it, but just definitely, definitely stay safe and go to the ER. If you, if you're feeling in pain, don't ignore it. Go to the doctor. Um, Cause I called, I called the telehealth and she was like, it sounds like pleurisy, but it could be pneumonia um, if it doesn't go away in a couple of days. And I was like, well, I have anxiety. I'm not just going to sit and wait for that. And so I like went to the ER and it turned out to just be pleur- like, quote unquote, just be pleurisy. But mm-hmm. again, like better to go and then not all of a sudden have pneumonia or the other one was like, it could be a blood clot. I was like, I'm not going to sit and wait to see if this is a blood clot or not. So definitely get the care where you can. And if anyone gives you crap about it, uh, they are wrong because you know what's best for your own health. Mm-hmm. Anyways, enough of that PSA. Um, let's, let's talk about Wicked. Yes. <laughs> So, interesting little side note, um, I didn't even, like, know this was going to be happening, but it's this interesting, like, you know, coinky-dink. Um, my church, um, the next sermon series the pastor's putting on is Summer on Broadway. This week, what? A different musical. Yes! I know! I'm so excited! <laughs> I'm going to get to sing, um, so, the weekend, or the Sunday that we're doing Wicked is the 19th. And, you know, I got an email um, from the music directors, like, do you have any songs to recommend from, you know, the list of musicals? And I was like, well, for Wicked, I think you guys should do Defying Gravity. I can't sing it, though, because it's ridiculously high. And then, like, she messaged me back a little bit later being like, April, when I listened to Defying Gravity, I thought about your story. And, you know, my story of, like, you know, coming to accept myself despite the, you know, the, the challenges and to, like, the freedom and joy that I had found on the side of my life. And so she was like, she was like, we can lower the key, but you need to sing it. 
Um, <laughs> so I'm going to sing Defying Gravity, a song that I never thought I would be singing because, it, I mean, it's even lowering the key, it's still going to be one of the most challenging things I've ever done vocally. Yeah, that song is like all <laughs> breath control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it'll be really cool. <laughs> that is so exciting. Yeah. Um, anyway, so obviously thinking about like the music theologically, there is, of course, Defying Gravity, which I think is a very empowering song for mm-hmm. people who... Um, have come out in a thing but also i kind of think of it as like a anti-purity culture anthem too like you know with her being called wicked and then with uh this like part that i remember from the bootleg that i watched yes i watched bootlegs whatever no it's um, fine broadway's expensive yeah um so the bootleg that i watched of it you know pretty much everyone i've seen has alphabet um at the end of well yeah it's the end of um as long as you're mine, I think, where she's like, never in my life have I felt so wicked. And then she kisses um, the love interest in the um, Fiero. Fiero. Yeah, and so then she just like passionately kisses Fiero. And when I see them, I'm like, anti-purity culture anthem. Yes. <laughs> like, my God. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely, she. Be, I mean, part of the story is her becoming comfortable, like, not just with herself and her having, like, green skin and everything, but also, I think, her, like, sexuality and, like, her being, like, I, this boy does want me. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and not because she's, like, you know, different, or not because she's, like, considered, ooh, she's, like, wicked, man. It's, like, he, like, genuinely loves Elphaba. mm -hmm. Um, And everything she does is to, like, protect him, in a way, because, again, it does, as far as I know with the musical, it does kind of go back to dispel the quote-unquote myths of the Wizard of Oz like oh like Mm -hmm. this is why she does this thing and this thing it's like no there's like actual reasons for all of it and you can it's interesting it does make a rewatch of the Wizard of Oz so much more interesting especially if you've seen or read Wicked you're like oh okay um but yeah I also love Wicked um I got obsessed with it in high school wanted to play Elphaba um at some point but it's fine um but yeah love that show I think it's absolutely Uh, beautiful and I hope I can afford to see it live one day yeah me too I really want to be able to see it live and I mean I feel like god it's been on Broadway like it's one of the longest running shows on Broadway isn't it yeah I think yeah Phantom is technically the longest but Wicked's definitely like I can Google this later. And the early two thousands, right? I mean, it, it like came out. Debuted... In, it came out in two thousand four, and the irony is that it didn't even win the Tony for best musical that year. It was Avenue Q, which wow. is also a great show. I love Avenue Q, but um, Wicked has definitely stood the test of time. And now this is going to drive me crazy, so I'm going to just Google it real quick. List of longest running Broadway shows: Phantom, Chicago, Lion King, Cast. Wicked is number five. And sorry, it came out in 2003. It wasn't 2004. I didn't realize Lion King was one of the long-running ones. Yeah, Lion King's been on Broadway since 1997. It's like, oh my god, it's still on Broadway? Okay, It's still on Broadway. The only one of those top five that have closed is Cats. Makes sense that it was Cats. (laughs) That doesn't really have a plot. (laughs) I have so many opinions about that musical, but (laughs) today we could do a musical rants episode another day. (laughs) I mean, this is partly musical round, but with more of a focus. <laughs> exactly. But um, also, just so people, in case people are curious, the other um, musicals that are going to be covered in my church's uh, Summer on Broadway series are um, this Sunday is Dear Evan Hansen because it's graduation Sunday. So, like, Ooh. it has the themes of, you know, a high school 
musical kind of thing. And then um, Rent is going to be the last Sunday in June. And I'm assuming there's going to, the pastor is going to talk about LGBTQ and pride in some way because it's Rent. Yeah. <laughs> which for those of you who don't know it's um one of the key features of rent i mean features a lot of lgbtq characters and um it takes place really, during like the height of it, the aids yeah, crisis yes, yes. yeah so has a i believe is it i forget whether the character is tra- a trans woman or a drag queen i think well it's kind of it's she's never truly like identified either mm-hmm. like she's always referred to with she and her pronouns yeah. and it was it was written in the 90s so you know different different conceptions of gen- different gender. yeah like different language <laughs> different language and stuff too mm-hmm. but i know that it's like earlier in the show when like tom first meets angel she's not um dressed as femininely she's just a drum like a street drummer um and is dressed more masculine but then for the rest of the show she's like in a dress yeah. and, I know and wearing wigs and stuff. And I know, like, in the... the Fox also did a live version of that, too, though there was this weird thing where, like, they actually had to... They had to air, like, the... A previous, like, dress rehearsal performance because of, like, someone breaking their leg or something. Um, Wait, what? Yeah! I, I might be totally wrong on that, but there was some reason why they had to, like, just air a dress rehearsal performance. But anyway, in that... Fox live version. Um, I believe it was it was a drag queen who played that character. So Oh, okay. Gotcha. I feel like with that show too, like it's become a lot more I think I think a lot more now people are wanting trans women to play or like non binary mm-hmm. actors to play Angel. Because mm-hmm. um, again, our concept of gender has grown and changed since nineteen ninety eight when yeah. the musical premiered. Um but yeah, I love that show. That show's another one I think that's kind of sparks the sort of feel it's it's interesting because it sparks the theological debate but in a different sort of way so like mm-hmm. for example like when you're thinking about like oh i'm gonna go to heaven one day like we suffer here on earth but we're gonna live eternally forever and like who cares if we suffer whereas with rent the main purpose is like we don't have a whole lot of time left together mm-hmm. because yeah there's this- so the song that we're probably going to sing is Seasons of Love. I mean, that's kind oh, of the obvious thing. Yeah. Right? Like, just yeah. Sing the seasons of Love. Um, yeah. yeah. I also think of like No Day But Today or um, what's, the, or, oh yeah. What's, the, oh gosh, it's No Day But Today. And then there's the um, life support meeting where they're doing like, they're kind of utilizing some of the lyrics from No Day But Today um, to kind of keep themselves at, peace like as they're talking about having AIDS and that like there was like there was no like government intervention it was just seen as like let's let all of the gay people and like the junkies and let's have them all die out and it was like no one is going to save us but but we still want to keep living um and that I think was very much like yeah like we only have like finite time on this planet it's also most of it it's interesting to also of course watch um uh, tick tick boom where like you get to um see or at least in the in the version that was released on netflix that was the movie directed by lin-manuel miranda um you get to see like how jonathan larson kind of created like rent and in, in the way that he saw some of his gay friends who were like uh you know dying from aids or sick yeah from AIDS. yeah i know that a lot of like the people in the life support song were based off of people that jonathan larson knew who had AIDS like when they're like they're going around they're saying their names and they were all based off of people mm. that he knew I believe mm-hmm. which yeah I have not seen Tick Tick Boom quite yet though I've heard the music from it but I've heard it's 
fantastic. Um, RIP Jonathan Larson. I wish you could have seen the amazing because like he passed before before Rent even opened. Yeah, it was like, like the day before somehow. Yeah. Like, which is just it was like a heart, like a heart aneurysm. It was something super like one of those weird, super unexpected act of God things where it like happened out of nowhere. And it's incredible that he built this insane musical legacy with his two shows. And even then Tick Tick Boom was posthumously released. Mm-hmm. Really. So it's like that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, and so then two other musicals that the final two musicals that are part of this summer on Broadway series are um, Hamilton. And then uh, the other one is one that I'm not familiar with, Come From Away. But <gasps> apparently it relates a lot to like, I mean, or at least the, the angle that my church is going for is talking about like hospitality. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Come From Away, uh, for people that maybe don't know, um, during when 9-11 happened, apparently there was this plan that had always kind of been in place where if something had happened, all of these planes would be diverted to Newfoundland in Canada. Um where people could be safe and take refuge and they'd be like taken in. Like it was like a joint government thing that had been like in the works for unfortunate moments like these. And so come from away is basically about these people having to be diverted during nine 11 hmm. to go to Newfoundland and Canada and be taken care of by this small community. Hmm. Um, and that's basically what it's about. So it makes perfect sense that hospitality would be the theme of that. Um, also, the lead actress from that show, the, the original lead actress, Jen Colella, uh, went to my um, undergrad university, like years and years before I was ever there. But then it's like, it was like a big deal when she was like nominated for a Tony. because It was like, mm-hmm. ah, like one of our own like anteaters got nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about it later, but same with Fun Homes. But we'll talk about that in just a bit too. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I guess we're also, we're going to talk about Hamilton a little bit later, um, but we can start off with, um, uh, unless you have any more thoughts on Wicked, uh, we can go into the prom. Ooh, let's talk about the prom. Yes. Yeah, so obviously, the most obvious thing to talk about first is one of the songs, which is uh, Love Thy Neighbor, where this, yes. character, uh, this character, he is um, a kind of, he's an actor who's, you know, kind of down on his luck and is trying the best to get the roles he can, but he ends up going on a a um a tour with the Godspell cast is the, like part of the plot, and um then when it, they're in this um they're in this small town in Indiana because a group of actors is trying to help uh this one student Emma Nolan uh take her girlfriend to the prom and like the school's against it and there are a lot of like homophobes in the school and so to these homophobic students he's like well you know you don't actually follow the Bible like literally either. <laughs> You know, and they're all like, yeah. And then the whole song is him explaining. He's like, well, if you have a tattoo, whoops, you're going to hell. Like you, you lost your virginity. You're going to hell. Yeah. (laughs) Your your family divorced. Uh, your mom's gonna have to die. (laughs) You know, it's just wonderful way to just like with all this humor and sass to be like, hey, like look at this is actually what the Bible says. So you can't say that to like, you know, disparage gay people because like you're also, you know, there's no um there's no way to separate which i'm I'm quoting this isn't there's no way to separate which rules we can violate Mm -hmm. Uh, let's hope you don't masturbate yeah we have to cut up your hands (laughs) (laughs) 
And um, yeah, so it's just a great song. It's on my Pride playlist. So yeah, it's a great song. Um, I think The Prom is an adorable show. Um, I my one criticism with I loved the movie, but my criticism, which seems to be a lot of criticism, James Corden. That's it. Um, but also, like, I know that a big yeah, criticism. cast in so many musicals, and, like, he, with him being cast as a gay man, like, I thought he was gay, but then I looked, and I'm like, he's not gay. He's like, not gay. Like, what does, what hold does this man have on the cinematic musical theater industry? Like, because he's in everything. Anyways, um, but and I know. Also, I, like, are you really saying that you could not have gotten, like, a, a gay man from, like, the musical theater industry to play Barry? Like, are you serious? Exactly. And it's one of the big criticisms too is that they like cast these huge actors as these roles for like the Broadway stars specifically. Mm-hmm. But in the original show, those actors are played by people who have been on Broadway forever, but haven't really had a whole lot mm-hmm. of leading parts. So it's like people that have been performing on Broadway for years and years and years, but they're not as famous as say like, Oh, Sutton Foster or um, mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to think of, I can't believe I almost said Renee Fleming. She's an opera singer, but like, or like Adina Menzel, Kristen Chenoweth, yeah. like they don't, they don't have like the public appeal, but if you're familiar with Broadway, you know who they are. Um, so I know that that was like a big criticism was being like, okay, but we've cast like Meryl Streep as one of the actors. Mm-hmm. Like um, Andrew, I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, the gentleman that sings Love Thy Neighbor, Andrew Reynolds oh, has yeah. been on Broadway. Yeah. Like he, he played Elton Morbin. Yeah. yeah, he was in Book of Mormon, and he was also most recently in the fal- Falsettos revival. Um, so, like, he's, like, very much a Broadway person, but then he also is known because I think he was on the show Girls as well. Like, he is kind of known outside of musical theater. But, like, otherwise it was like, okay, Nicole Kidman, she's cool. Like, Meryl Streep, she's in everything. Mm-hmm. James Corden, yep. Like, it was just like, I know that that was a big criticism, uh- but I did love... I loved, like, the plot. I loved the fact that they had um, the newcomer play Emma. Like, they had, like, they had, like, a, this new actress play her. And then that yeah. they got, like, Ariana DeBose to I play. Definitely, yeah. I prefer, like, the Broadway show. It's, I, I was able to, and I think it's taken off now, but at some point I was able to find the final performance was bootleg recorded and put on YouTube at one point. Um, so I watched that. And also, I think what you can still find on YouTube, if you're interested, <laughs> is the a bootleg recording of the original, um, I think it was the Atlanta, so whatever Off-Broadway was, the first like time they were doing it, you can also oh. find a recording of that. Oh, that's YouTube. so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think definitely what I didn't, there were songs that were, there were some songs that were cut from when they made the movie, right? I feel like, I'm trying to remember. Um, I definitely didn't like the songs that were cut when um, in the Evan Hansen movie. I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with the Evan Hansen movie, but oh my gosh. Into that. <laughs> um, I will say that if anyone has any Dear Evan Hansen gripes, I would say watch Jenny Nicholson's breakdown of Dear Evan Hansen. She does a lot of mm, comment, commentary YouTube. I love Jenny Nicholson. She's so... I, I wish she would upload more, but also I kind of don't mind because her videos are so well-researched that it's yes. almost worth the wait. <laughs> but if you haven't seen her analysis on Dear Evan Hansen, like definitely watch it. Because um, I also have my, I have my issues with that show mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, talk about it for another day, I guess. So I guess other things about the prom. Um, so I actually, uh, this Sunday, 
is going to be um, an interfaith pride service sponsored by Equality Loudon. That's Loudon <gasps> County's LGBTQ organization. I'm going to be singing um, Unruly Heart from the prom. Uh, and like kind of same vibes as like, you know, Defying Gravity and like, you know, like I'm my own person. I'm going to be myself and, you know. Um, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. And I feel like there have been so many songs that have become like, like LGBTQ plus like icon songs from Broadway, like Defying Gravity. Mm-hmm. The other one that came to mind, which I guess isn't a Broadway song, but um, This Is Me from Greatest Showman has yes. become such a like that is the pride it, anthem. It plays at pride, yes. And I mean, yes. I yeah. Even though I mean, the you know the the movie musical is um, kind of making into a saint a guy who's a total dick in real life. But yeah, like P.T. Barnum was not a good guy at all yeah but i do like i do like the song performers so yeah but yeah but it's it's interesting what becomes like it's interesting that like what becomes like those pride anthems too where it's like oh like i guess it makes sense like a song like i am brave i am bruised i'm who i'm meant to be this is me like that makes perfect sense that that would be like a pride Mm -hmm. anthem song but it's always like oh okay this has nothing it is on my pride playlist yes yeah I mean, yeah, I guess it's nice that we have this, like, representation of a guy. Well, I guess he isn't really quite, the character isn't quite Christian, but I mean, he's preaching a good, you know, good message, um, which is, of course, why this, oh my god, there's this website that, like, does these basically, like, weird Christian reviews of movies and, like, gave it, obviously gave this a bad rating because they're like, oh, you're, he's twisting the scripture. I'm like, he's quoting the scripture, dumbass. Like, <laughs> um, like he's quoting, like, the... Because, like, the thing is, it's so interesting to me when people are like, oh, the Old Testament, like, we don't pay attention to that because, but, like, of course they do for gay people, which, again, doesn't matter because it wasn't even about, you know, Mm -hmm. consensual same-gender relationships anyways. But, like, you know, we're fine with ignoring, like, the shellfish and the polyester and divorce and, like, Jesus speaks about divorce more than he does gay people, which is exactly zero um, about gay people, not about divorce. But, like, it's it's interesting that people will use like the, we don't follow the old Testament argument for literally everything else except for same gender relationships. One other thing of note about the prom, it uh, made history by um, being the first same sex kiss at the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade Uh, because they, they, you know, um, one of the things that I actually like about the uh, parade the most is the, what I call the um, Broadway previews. Um, oh, they always have yeah. to look at the first hour. They have Broadway shows, usually new ones or, or you know, revamps of old ones and they have their performance. And so they, they decided to choose the song where at the, the, fi- the finale song where um, the characters Emma and Alyssa kiss. Um, and it was just beautiful to see, especially because I had yeah, I had re- it was 2018, so I like was just starting to come out to people and that kind of thing. So it was yeah, really empowering. Um, that's amazing. That's really sweet. Yeah, I mean that's how I heard about the prom, and then of course I started listening to the soundtrack, and I was obsessed. Hi, friends. This is editing Anna cutting in real quick. Um, we got an excerpt from our amazing friend Lauren Dempster about their experience with the musical The Prom. Um, they wanted to share their thoughts, and we are putting that in here, so please enjoy. And of course, massive, massive thank you to Lauren for your submission. So here we go. So one of my favorite musicals is The Prom, um, and I heard about it 
not long after I came out, my best friend had known about it, and she told me about it. So I think it was like end of two, 2019, 20, beginning of 2020. And it is about um, this high schooler named Emma, um, who is an open lesbian in a small town in Indiana. Um, and she is buying tickets for prom and bringing her girlfriend. Um, her girlfriend's Alyssa, but nobody knows that she and Alyssa are dating because Alyssa's not out yet. Um, and it causes a lot of drama and chaos with, like, the PTA. And to the point where, like, the PTA is ready to just cancel prom altogether because it's the end of the world if a, a girl wants to go to prom with a girl. And this becomes such a big deal that, like it reaches all of these headlines across the country and there's these like four middle-aged thespians um over in new york that see the the article and they decide they're gonna go help they're gonna go to indiana and they're going to give emma and everyone else the prom they deserve because there's no reason for these people to act the way they do um everybody deserves to go to prom. And so, of course, from the moment they get there, there's a lot of drama, and it's just big and dramatic and extra. Um, but right from the start, they they just dive in headfirst because what else are Broadway stars going to do? There's, they don't know anything but dramatics. And so um, one of the songs they end up singing is called The Acceptance Song. And... It's really just them performing at, like, this random town event because that was what they could book and um, really just through song telling people to stop being bigots and hateful and just accept people as they are. It's not a hard concept. Um, And then a little while later, there's another song called Love Thy Neighbor. And this is when one of our... Broadway star friends Trent is talking with a bunch of Emma's classmates and he just like happens uh, upon them and he overhears them talking and um they're throwing the well the bible says it's a sin argument at him and so he goes are you sure about that and he challenges them and he says well Kaylee has a tattoo and Shelby's lost her virginity and Nick your parents are divorced and these are all things the Bible says are just a big no. Um, But you know what the Bible does say? Jesus's biggest commandment was love thy neighbor. It is all that that matters. This was his number one thing. So you can't pull this. The Bible says no when you are engaging in these sins and when Jesus told you to love thy neighbor no matter what. Um, and as someone who has a background of some kind in the church, that song has always, like, made me smile because it's just, like, ridiculous lines. But, um, it just, like, it hits home in a certain way. And it is such, like, good reminder, um, that, like, there are people that, you know, their minds can be changed um, if we, like, give them the tools to challenge what they have been taught 
Um, because by the end of the song, Emma's classmates are like, oh, we've been horrible people to Emma and we need to do better. And it's really not that hard to love thy neighbor. And, you know, Emma's always been gay and I guess that's not a sin. Um, and when you have that background in the church, you're being told all the time, like it's a sin, right? We hear it all the time as queer people in the church. And the reality that we know is it's not. We, when we go through the process of deconstructing and reconstructing and reconciling our faith and our queerness, you know, we learn that our queerness isn't a sin and it's this divine, divine and holy thing that the Lord has purposely created. Um, and it was just like this little nugget of Jesus thrown into this otherwise very quote-unquote secular show um and I think a lot of people in the audience or even when just listening to like the soundtrack um can relate to that because there's so many of us whether we have a background in the church or not like we're just told that it's a sin and whatever other variation of that phrase that people want to throw at us um so that was just something that like really hit home and it was kind of nice to just know that there's like just a smidge just a smidge of theology in there um and then the one song that is one of my favorites and um tends to be most people's favorites from what I have gathered is Emma's ballad in the second act called Unruly Hearts and this is when prom has gone wrong and um Emma is really hurting and she is kind of in this point where she like doesn't really know what to do with herself um she's like I don't want to hide who I am because I've tried that but being who I am in this town really sucks and it hurts um and so she makes this YouTube video and the scene takes place in her room and she makes this YouTube video that ends up getting a bunch of hundreds and thousands of views very quickly. Um, and people just commenting on the video saying things like, I know exactly how you feel. Yes, you put my feelings into words, things like that. And it's such a, like, I don't think there's a queer person who can't relate to this song. Um, it is just that accurate um there's the the chorus um she in the chorus she says I although I don't know how or when but somehow I learned to see no matter what the world might say this heart is the best part of me so fears all in the past fade in so fast I won't stay hidden anymore I'm who I am and I think that's worth fighting for nobody out there ever gets to define the life I'm truly meant to lead with this unruly heart of mine. Um, and when I first came out, um, that song just really like hit me because when I came out, I was 
battle in all the things that my church leaders were telling me. And I was being told it was a sin, that this wasn't God's best for my life. Um, that, you know, I shouldn't be picking up any labels from the queer community. Um, and, you know, insert any other ridiculous argument you've probably had with a church leader or pastor. Um, so that was really affirming in the sense of like, this is who I am and I shouldn't have to hide it. And I recently got to go see the touring cast of The Prom. Um, it was super exciting and I think I like cried half the show. The show is a, a comedy. It is absolutely hilarious. Um, but I'm pretty sure I cried half the show just because I was actually there. It was my first musical that I'd seen that wasn't like, you know, put on by a college or high school. Um, and it was this extremely affirming show. I'm in the audience and I'm just surrounded by queer people, um, who, you know, get every little bit of humor and heartache and everything in between that's in this show. Um, and it was so exciting because, you know, at the end, Alyssa manages to come out to her mom and everyone else and the audience just cheered because we all know that feeling of finally being able to come out and just share that with the world. Um, but during Unruly Heart, I, like, was ready to completely sob. It was so just affirming and, and healing. Um, being able to see the prom in person, um, specifically um, with the touring cast, although I do love the original cast, um, was, was more healing than any church service I've been to in the last 12 years of being a Christian. Um, especially with Unruly Heart. Um, it's like equivalent to like when you go to like a conference or something, you have like that one slow worship song that like you're just bawling for whatever reason. Um, it was like that, except like the feelings were <laughs> legit and not like slightly manipulated um, like it is in a worship service sometimes. And I just, I don't have words to describe how healing and affirming seeing this show was. Uh, currently, the actor who plays Emma is non-binary and they are just fantastic. Um, and as a performer, Emma is one of my dream roles. And I like cried a little when Caden, the actor who plays Emma, when they walked on stage because it was a non-binary person on stage, you know, playing a, playing a cis girl. And like, we think, we like to think that theater is really diverse and it is, but it's not. And seeing that gave me hope that it's slowly changing, that non-binary people like me can step into these roles that are traditionally cis and do a really good job with it. Um, and it was just like another reminder that representation is so important because there was no way I was the only non-binary person in that entire theater. And there were a lot of like high schoolers and middle schoolers there. And like, if I at 29 and recently out found seeing the show was so 
affirming and healing and just an overall amazing experience and seeing all this representation, I can only begin to imagine what these kids felt like seeing that, um, showing them that they can literally play these parts if they're into theater and all of these things. And um, I'm pretty sure all of us cried during Unruly Heart. Um, I don't know how you can watch it live or just listen to it and not want to cry because it just resonates with everybody and um it was just an amazing experience and really like like the characters are in high school and I'm 29 but it's still so relatable no matter how old you are or when you came out um as a queer person like the show is relatable um, in some way, shape, or form, and that is so healing, and just affirming, um, and you just, you feel like you have this community when you're watching the show, like, not only do you have the community of all of the queer people in the audience, but, like, you feel like you're a part of the community that's being portrayed on stage, right, you feel like you're going through this really hard time with Emma, and Alyssa and you you feel like you're part of their community and you celebrate with them and you cry with them and I don't know if there's another musical out there that can elicit those feelings in queer people like this does Um, it is such a amazing and groundbreaking musical and show and It is changing lives, um, which ironically is the opening song. And, um, like, I just, I don't think when the creators of the show created this show, I'm sure they didn't think it would have the impact that it, that it did. Um, but like, the impact is just wild and I feel like going to this show is equivalent to like going to an elevation worship concert for Christians like it's exciting it's fun it's energizing you cry you feel whole and healed and seen as a queer person and there's really no feeling like it um and there are plenty of musicals that I love and I'm really bad at picking favorites of a lot of things because I'm bad at making decisions, but <laughs> the prom is easily in my, my top three, especially after getting to see it live. It was one of the most healing experiences I have ever had in my life. Um, and I mean, 10 out of 10 would recommend seeing the touring cast listening to the soundtrack a million times, um, reading the book or listening to the audiobook that is based off of it. Um, the audiobook is narrated by the um, two original actors of uh, Emma and Alyssa, which is also fantastic. Um, like, do all of that 
like no matter how you take in the prom it's gonna heal you in some way and like it's super cliche but like you're gonna see god in it (laughs) um and it will just heal you in ways that i don't think any church service or any worship concert um can um it's truly a really special show for queer people and there's just nothing like it uh speaking of obsessed let's talk about fun home (laughs) my favorite musical of all time because of course i have a very personal connection to it Um, and when holland's uh put on its production of fun home i i like when i actually like when i knew it was gonna happen even like it was when i knew that that was what they were putting on i just felt god tell me like once you see it you're coming out publicly and i was like okay (laughs) oh Um, my god um yeah and so I after walking out of the theater I walked up to my uh, dorm room with a group of friends and with a group of friends you know just like gathered around me in my room I read out the post and then I posted it and I was just like so free and I mean like when I when I was actually seeing the performance you know the, the finale song um sort of focuses on this image of um Allison uh, playing airplane with her father and so she talks about flying you know flying um so high and you yeah. know when I when I sort of like saw that in person and the the sort of movements the actors were making I thought like that I was about to experience that that like anticipation of being free and weightless um mm. that was cool yeah um for me fun home came out <clears throat> my <laughs> at the end of my third year of college and um, again, kind of going back to the Tony uh, undergrad school connection, Beth Malone, who played oh, Allison, cool. was it Allison, right? I think. No, adult, adult Allison. Oh, okay. Um, Beth Malone was an alumna of my undergrad's MFA program, again, years before I was ever there. But it was like, again, big, big deal that she got nominated for a Tony for that show. And it was like, oh, my God, like another anteater is that thought. Um, that's the sound an anteater makes for people that mm-hmm. don't. Um, otherwise realized but for a long time I really loved that show I thought it was absolutely beautiful but then like as I was coming out it became too painful to listen to mm-hmm. weirdly um because also at that point I'd like read the like I bought the graphic novel and I've read it and it's you know really uh contrary to the title of fun home it is not a fun um <laughs> yeah book. I mean well it's about how her her dad was like so ashamed of his sexuality that he ended up very likely killing himself yeah. And it's, and it's like having to kind of, again, it's that notion of having to reconcile and get to know, getting to know someone and having to figure out your relationship with someone posthumously, mm-hmm. um, even though you were going through the same like unspoken struggles. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it became really hard for me to listen to because then it was also that weird point of my coming out journey where it was like, I need to like avoid queer media like the plague because this is what's turning me and so it became hard to listen to um and I'm getting there I'm getting there being able to listen to it again um but it's still like because it just reminds me of that hard time but it clearly had an impact on me um and changing my major was such a beautiful I freaking love that song so interesting thing about this song so I need okay. to go into so you know fun home is this interesting so I talked about the kind of like how fun home is a kind of like this important moment in my coming out but in a way that's a bookend to what actually happened during my first year of college which was I it was the week of the 2016 election and I just so happened to be reading Fun Home 
during that week. And you might thinking, April, how did Fun Home get into your little evangelical hands? <laughs> um, Wait, yeah, now I'm curious. Um, yeah, so um, my sister, uh, it's kind of tradition for uh, birthdays and Christmas that she gets me a book that I request and a book that she recommends to me. And so a book that she recommended to me was Fun Home. I believe it was for my birthday one year. And now, like, I... I follow like my book list in order of just when I receive things. And so I just like, I just, I finished Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. And then I started um, Fun Home by Alison Bechdel. What um, was your so, initial response to it? I'm curious to know as a young evangelical. Uh, so I, I mean, I think when I look up back at my journal entries, I mean, I basically, I comment on, particularly on the, the literary allusions and like the, the writing of it. Like, that's what I kind oh, of, okay. on, you know, because I mean, I like, obviously my brain's just trying to like stay away from any of the sexuality part of it. So I mm-hmm. kind of attached to the other things and like the art and um, there's probably a part of my memoir that I actually want to probably read from here. Let me yeah. Just- Rich literary allusions were what kept me reading. You know, she framed her and her father's experiences with various literature using captivating skill and precision, and also discussed how literature influenced her. She describes her coming out journey by comparing it to the journey of Odysseus, and she also discusses the books she helped uh, she read that helped her realize she was a lesbian. She compares her father to several authors and literary figures, somehow managing to connect all of them seamlessly. It never felt like it was too much. This is what kept me reading despite the scandalous um, subject matter. And then on the Sunday after the election, um, before I watched the live stream of my then home church's service, I listened to the soundtrack of the musical. Um, and so, and also the soundtrack includes like such long clips of dialogue. Honestly, when I saw it live, I was like, not a lot of, not a lot is kept out of the, the actual soundtrack, honestly, yeah. really small lines. But um, anyway, the song that was my immediate favorite is kind of what I perceive to be the most upbeat and only humorous song, which has come to the fun home, which I mean, it's a commercial for the funeral <clears throat> business. So like yeah. dark humor <laughs> about death and stuff in it. Um, and um, I mean, yeah, I think why I was so drawn to listening to it is of course, I feel like I always have turned to musicals in a time where I'm in a state of stress. So of course, like in the state of, you know, the week of Trump's election, I, and I'm reading this like graphic novel and I see there's a musical, uh, I, I listened, but uh, and I, I enjoyed a lot of the songs, except, except of course, as a young evangelical, changing my major is something that I couldn't <laughs> oh, <laughs> right, find where I, oh yes. Uh, when I reached changing my major, I immediately clicked to go to the next song when at the 59 second mark, the singer passionately sang the word sex. I was alone in my room, but I blushed because I had been playing the music pretty loud with no headphones. That one word was all it took for me to immediately be disgusted. I paused the next track, and in the silence, I wondered, my face still red, if anyone had heard the song through the walls. After that, I put my headphones on. I could handle a song like Ring of Keys, in which a child, Allison, admires a bunch of women and realizes she wants to look like her someday. I could handle the song in which Allison finally vocalizes aloud that she is a lesbian party dress. Changing my major took place the morning after Allison had sex with her college girlfriend for the first time, and she goes into a passionate, joyous song about how she's changing her major to the study of her girlfriend and having sex with her. This premarital quote unquote, lesbian sex was too far, far too scandalous for me, a double taboo. The disgust and recoil I felt about the song stemmed from the all-encompassing fear that made me repress my sexuality. I could appreciate the aesthetics and craft of both the book and the musical, but I would not allow myself to think about these topics further. 
I sort of had it like, you know, this whole strictly intellectual thing. But then, of course, with my coming out, I was finally able to like, you know, obviously like see the whole musical. And I really, really enjoyed getting to see just the joy with which um, the actress sang Changing My Major. Because it's just it's a beautiful song about like the joy of sex. And there's honestly I mean, there's honestly like a lot of like pop songs don't even get like that explicit in just talking about the joy of sex. So... Yeah, and it's just like the uh, I I feel like similarly there was kind of that like oh, but like it's premier like I think there was like a weird like mm-hmm. battle in my own brain because interestingly I heard now that I'm remembering I'd heard that song I think what like before like Fun Home was on Broadway like someone I knew sang it for a, ca- a cabaret and it was like still off Broadway at that wow. point so it was like and then like oh like this is where this is from um and it's interesting because there was that part of me where I'm like oh this is such a sweet song like before I knew I was gay but then like there was also a thing of like no like am I justifying and glorifying sin if I like this like it's just it was just like very there like, there was definitely like a divide of what I thought was okay and what I thought wasn't um but I also do love the line is am I of am I falling into nothingness or floating or flying into something more yes. sublime I'm just oh, like yeah. yes yes that is like such <laughs> that's such an excellent evangelical experience right <laughs> Um, yes that whole that whole show like it's just so it's such a beautiful show and like I wish that it had it has gotten more of the accolades that other musicals like Hamilton and Wicked have gotten um because like if I like if I'm remembering correctly Hamilton came out the next year and that became a Mm -hmm. huge obviously and it still is a huge phenomenon it's like I wish like Fun Home which also won the Tony for Best Musical I really wish Fun Home had had that because I think that story is so important. And it was like, you don't get a lot of queer women representation in general and like really not on Broadway at all. So Besides was, the prom. But... Besides the prom. And that, that, that was like after Fun Home yeah. too. But it was like Fun Home was like the first one to actually have like yeah. really solid queer, other than like Rent, but like kind of like had like really solid queer women representation in that process of coming out. And like, I know- like once I kind of realized who I was, it was like, oh, this is like my story in a way. And I know that yeah. a lot of other young I mean, queer I, women feel the same way. I like, yeah, I definitely talk about how, I mean, that that day when I was first listening to the soundtrack, there was something going on inside me. <laughs> there was some like, yeah. there, there was like my, the part of my queer self that I had tried to hide for so long was finally starting to like come out. So yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful to that musical and to Alison Bechdel so yeah absolutely um Alison Bechdel I don't know if you listen to this podcast <laughs> but thank you I feel like she is very 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 secular <laughs> the vibe I, I feel like know. she I feel like she is too but if she happens to come across this um in all of the hashtags that are from this inevitable post um thank you for making a musical and for also, writing a story that changed queer women's um, lives Yes. Also, I should say that unfortunately, the sequel to Fun Home is not as good. Um, Are you my like, mother? Yeah, it's not. It gets weird with like some psychoanalysis. It, it, like, I think she tries to do what she does with the the original and like using literary analysis or literary allusions to like the work of psycho psychoanalysis like um, Freud and Win- Winnipeg. I don't even know. But it's not as good. Uh, so just, just read Fun Home. It's, yeah, it's- like it's, I think it it, yeah, like I think Are You My Mother kind of goes, because it, it obviously explores more of the relationship with her mother. And I think that one I've only read maybe once, but it it's not as 
it kind of goes into her more adult life and like mm-hmm. like it there isn't not to be like there's not as much tragedy because like mm-hmm. that kind of sucks to be like oh this is so mm-hmm. good because it's tragic but like yeah it just it didn't it seemed much more candid I guess like much more it seemed more autobiographical than having like the connections into all these other things um Mm -hmm. but yeah um anyway so just this is gonna the next one's kind of gonna be more of a short note because I feel like it is just really about this one song in Heather's the musical um have you I freaking love Heather's I love okay cool yes um have you seen the bootleg of the West End version not of the West End version, but of the one that was off Broadway at New World Stages. There was a bootleg going around of that one for a very long time. Okay. Well, I think I think the West End is still on YouTube, and it's the one that I very much prefer. I I really oh okay. Carrie Hope Fletcher does a fantastic job of playing Veronica, um, and then uh, I believe is his name Jamie Moscato. He plays um, he plays JD. Okay. Um, he, he, I mean, he like he the way he plays the role, you can tell that like he's going for complete psycho. Like some people try to play him cute or something, but I'm like, no, you got to play him as a complete fucking psycho. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like, uh, yeah. Oh, for those who don't know what uh, the original or the musical is about, um, Heather's <laughs> was originally a movie from 1989 where, um, well, the the movie and musical have slight plot differences, but yeah. Um, the um this girl Veronica Sawyer is friends with these people called the Heathers. Uh they're they're three girls named Heather with the same last name, and they're like the the populars, the plastics at their um school. And um they uh they're doing this mean shit to Veronica, and so to get back, um at first Veronica says, Oh, she's just gonna spit into this cup of like uh, whatever hangover cure it is um and then give it to her but then jd's like well you should like put this drain cleaner in her and like kill her uh and then veronica ends up accidentally taking the wrong cup and so she's killed this person what is she gonna do she writes a um suicide, suicide note, note. So, like, yeah and this and it just kind of spirals from there um and so and then jd keeps, keeps encouraging it and is very by the end very clearly like psychopathic but um yeah because anyway, the only place that the only place that Heather's and everyone else can get along is in heaven. And like, that's like one of his lines. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's not quite what I'm going to focus on. Um, <laughs> focus on dead girl walking as an anti-purity culture anthem. Um, oh, damn. Yeah. I mean, it is just, it is one of those songs again that, I mean, yeah, I guess in a way, uh, like kind of like changing my major, it just like unabashedly celebrates female sexuality. Um, because, uh, you know, she's like, I'm gonna let's like let's break the bread. I'm gonna that let's break, break sorry let's break the bed. I'm gonna ride you till I break you. Yeah, like, and it's and it's also like very much especially when you see it um on screen like she is the one who is well I mean she's you know she's what, on, I think she's, asking she's on top oh. so yeah she's like yeah I don't I at first I was gonna use the language like she's in control but I mean like obviously he's still you know I mean he actually sense to it yeah he says that works for me is the line where he gives consent. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I definitely like, like, again, I've only ever seen the off-Broadway one of Mm -hmm. it, and Barrett Wilbert Weed plays Veronica, Mm -hmm. and she has such, she has such a powerhouse voice, um, and I just remember the first time, basically, I don't know if we talked about, like, the context of that particular song is that, like, 
uh, Veronica has stopped her friend from basically oh, yeah. getting humiliated I mean, at a party. Before, it's before she ends up killing that friend, but she once she's yeah she's feeling humiliated and she's like, oh god, they're gonna kill me on Monday. What am I gonna do this weekend? Well. Let me get freaky with this guy. <laughs> yeah. Like I've been thinking about this guy, JD. Uh, let's let's get it on. And it's just like such a like you're just like yeah. Like you're very much. She rude. says I'm hot and pissed and on the on pill. the pill. Bow down to the will of a dead girl walking. Ah, I love it. Um. Also, I don't know if this happens in the off Broadway, but in uh, the West End version, um, there's a line: "Touch me there and there and there," and she like busts open her shirt. And yes. Her yeah. 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 Hot. Yeah. Like she has it. She, like she slaps him across the face too, and like it's like it's it was, I, the first time I was like, ooh, like scandal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. We love and of course, it, and of course, the show does have the classic. Uh, gay anthem i love my dead gay son right oh i wasn't even thinking about that but you just reminded me um yeah and i mean it actually it has like an affirming message to a christian affirming message too because like you know they're they're just uh the the guy refers to his um dead gay sons in quotes because they're they weren't actually gay that was another murder that was orchestrated by um by jd and veronica but, you know, this guy believes that, like, from the suicide note that they wrote that his sons are gay. And so he's like, you know, they're just two, like, little laces in the Lord's big boots. And, like, you know, God created them that way is, like, the whole theme of yeah. the song. Like, the cherubim yeah. walk him and him and Jesus says it's cool. Yeah, yeah. And they're, like, you know, they're up with at the pearly gates and they wear a pearly necklace. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yep. That is a line in that song. Uh, and then, of course, the theme of the end is, you know, go and love each other now as our boys, boys would have done. And the whole style is kind of like a kind of gospel music tone, too. So yeah. Cool yeah, it, it, it takes place at a funeral. Um, so Or it takes place at the boys' funeral. And then, like, you find out the revelations that the dads yes, are also had a fair on a fishing trip during the summer of 83. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's like interesting like that that there's like that affirming message in that <laughs> yeah. too. And if I recall, I don't even I think like the line I love my dead gay son is just a one off in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's not even mm-hmm. it's not like a big deal, but the fact that they took this one line and made it into this very like queer affirming like yes. <laughs> Jesus loves the gays song is just like <laughs> of course, it's perfect. Yeah, so um Heather's really rocks the music in it totally like just banging. Um mm-hmm. And good messages about friendship in high school and that kind of stuff. Yes. And um, to quote one of the lines from, I think, the last song in the finale is, if um, we can be 17, we can learn how to chill. If no one loves me now, someday somebody will. Mm -hmm. So if you're ever, that's like a line that has always kind of stuck with me. So if you're ever feeling down, remember that you will be loved by someone. And uh, sorry, getting sentimental. But yeah. Love that show. It's absolutely, I, yeah, it's a great show. Um, next show on the list, everybody's <laughs> talking about Jamie. Have you heard I of this? I have never heard of this. I'm going to need you to explain this one to me. Okay. So, <laughs> Jamie is, um, I believe, currently on the West End or it's touring. I know it was touring in Los, in Los Angeles, but oh. um, it started on, well, it actually started on um, an off off West End show, I guess, because it's in England, um, in the town of um, Sheffield, where it actually, like, um, it's actually based off of the real life of this uh, man, Jamie Campbell. Um, in the show, it's the name is Jamie New, but um, he uh, wanted to be a drag queen at 16, and he actually, like, did. 
um mm-hmm. and he definitely like i mean now i feel like i think the pronouns are still he him but he definitely has just like he loves dressing very like flamboyantly in dresses even when he's like out of drag um and um so they ended up deciding to like i guess make a musical really like kind of loosely based off of his um life and so um yeah it's this you know teenage boy in a small British town who wants to be a drag queen is obviously facing a lot of like mm-hmm. uh, pushback for that especially from this guy who's just like a classic like high school dick um <laughs> being like you get you're gay um oh yeah they have like this very specific I guess accents that are from that region um so that's always fun yeah um, and of course there is this moment where um Jamie says like Yes, I'm gay. And if I say I'm gay, that means that it isn't really an insult, is it? And also, I don't know why I'm really trying to do the accident. I'm sure it's terrible. <laughs> to, like, original, but um, Actually, wait, let's see. There's the specific line that... Um, oh, yeah, wait, actually, he says right after that, he's like, yeah, I'm gay and I'm queer and I'm a something batty bomb boy. Like, he just lists off all these, like, you know, yeah. uh, words for being queer and... Um, yeah, it's a cool moment, and, um, really, I think the show, why I put it on here is, like, it's this beautiful celebration of, like, queer joy, um, because, like, I mean, obviously, he's facing some challenges, like, especially, um, his, his dad doesn't approve of him, um, and, I mean, like, the, the dad and mom are divorced, so the mom represents someone who's actually, like, so, so supportive of him and loves him and, like, got, got him heels for his birthday, um, and, I mean, the music just, like, totally rocks i've got the moves i got the style i got them wait make you smile so kiss my ass goodbye because i'm gonna oh wait no i might totally be getting it wrong because i'm tired today but um the for the opening song is really fun and um um oh there's this one song um over the top where um jamie's getting about to like do his first drag show and so there are these like drag queens that are like pumping him up um and so it's you know beautiful representation of like friendship and encouragement and um yeah i mean i guess that's what i have to share about it that it just like this the whole musical exudes queer joy and also um has the uh, i believe the first um hijabed muslim character in a musical oh that's cool Mm -hmm. that's awesome you know, if you wanna, if you wanna watch, everybody's talking about Jamie. They they did a pro shot, and it's just oh, like available ooh. on YouTube. So, ooh, or, know. I, think, I think because of like, I mean, it might still be like not <laughs> authorized to be on YouTube because a few parts are randomly like cut out, but <laughs> they're not big. Um, so, yeah. And there's also um, there's the movie that's available for streaming on Amazon Prime. I think so. Good to know. Movie of it too. Oh, and one more thing about everybody's talking about Jamie. Um, I think it's cool that like it's a it's a queer narrative where I mean like the character's already out from the get-go. I mean, he still has to kind of like come out as a drag queen is the sort of thing he says. He's like, Jamie knew the boy's so nice he came out twice. Um but um yeah, I mean it's cool that it is just like that's just a fact and he's already like really kind of I mean he although he faces challenges, he's pretty much always like pretty cool with who he is. I mean, there well, there is one song where he like, you know, when he hits rock bottom, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, anyway, um, I put Les Mis on here just to kind of say, I mean, it's just straight up like a Christian redemption narrative. I mean, like, it really is. Um, 
yeah, there's a song where he's like singing to God, right? I mean, like multiple things, and like you know, they have like most of the character. He sings to God a lot in this show, like because there's the beginning when he's like, "I'm gonna renounce my name of Jean Valjean and I'm gonna live an honest life." And who am I? Two four six oh one. And then like he, you know, does that whole thing, and then he does sing, um, "Bring Him Home," which is a prayer to God about his daughter, his adopted daughter's love, Marius, who is dying post battle. And he's like, God, yeah, and I guess the, at least in the movie version, I know like basically all the dead characters at the end are like all singing together to kind of represent heaven, I guess. Or yeah, know, yeah. And I know that in the Broadway, in like musical versions of it, whenever a character dies, they end up leaving wearing like a white sheet or like a white like dress or a tunic, whatever, and it like s- resembles that like oh, they're ghosts now. Um, and so I imagine that by the end, it would make a lot more sense when you have a bunch of people wearing all white singing, like, Mm -hmm. do you hear the people sing? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that musical, it's such a redemption. It's like a absolute Christian redemption arc story. Mm -hmm. And so is Muppet Christmas Carol. Which I, I have not seen it. I am ashamed. I have heard it. You know what we're going to do in December. (laughs) We're going to watch it together. Um, like I'm. Unfortunately, Disney Plus, I know, has, um, when you're trying to screen share, it doesn't, you can't, they have the anti-piracy software in there. Rude. So many, so many streaming services because of Zoom and because of, like, other video chat platforms have decided to make sure that, like, for some reason, when you try to scare your your screen with someone, all they see is black. Fucking sucks. (laughs) That's so stupid. But wait, like, do they have, like, a screen? Like, do they have, like, Netflix watch party, but for Disney Plus? Um, like maybe. is that a, a, that's something we can find out later? But I, yeah, I yeah. guess another thing, yeah, you're forced to use Netflix Watch Party because Netflix also has the same thing now and HBO Max. Um, so dang, but yes, I've heard it's great. I have never seen it. I would love to see it. Um, yeah. So what's interesting is that I have a DVD that is a rare copy because it includes the scene love is gone which is uh which was taken out of the movie because it was too sad for children really (laughs) it's like this whole song where like this woman is breaking up with scrooge is what's happening the love is gone love is gone the sweetest dream that we have ever known and by the way people my voice sucks today because i'm tired uh i will be much better when i sing defying gravity but I would, I mean, like, obviously, like, I'm familiar with Christmas, Christmas Carol. Um, I grew up watching Mickey's Christmas Carol as a kid, which was depressing as hell. Like, I watched it again a couple years ago. I'm like, why was I allowed to watch this as a kid? Because, like, similarly, it's Christmas, it's Christmas Carol, but instead told with Disney characters. And, like, Mickey plays uh, Bob Cratchit, and Minnie is, like, his wife, and then they have a tiny little Mickey Mouse baby of tiny tim and like i remember as a kid watching mickey and minnie bury tiny tim in the ghost of christmas future and then there's like the like uh what is it pete like pet like so yeah in in a love at christmas carol they don't they don't have the burial obviously because this is very much a movie for children well i guess like so is the disney one but it's um but i mean what happens actually is that like i mean kermit almost almost like I mean, well, you know, he directly alludes to, he doesn't say the name, but he talks about Jesus. Um, he says that, like, 
Oh wait, no. This was okay. So this isn't. This is Ghost of Christmas Present. Actually, it would be the time period that this is happening, not the future, because he's talking about how he took Tiny Tim to church with him because they're like, on this day, I hope that you know the people remember the one who made um, blind men walk and lame or wait, blind men see and lame men the words. Um, <laughs> blind men see and made the lame walk. You know, I'm probably misquoting, but you know that. I mean, he he refers to Jesus, and I feel like it was actually, yeah. I mean, it. I slowly like once I started to become more Christian in middle school and stuff. I was like, oh. Oh, you're for this is this is Christian themes, but I think the thing that I always, you know, that I loved about then and still love now is that it isn't really like shoving it down your throat. It's just kind of you know a little thing, and then like you know one of the songs is like a prayer at the at the dinner table with the Cratchit family, um, and of course so a tiny Tim saying God blesses everyone. I mean, yes, classic. <laughs> yeah. So Hamilton, I think my main thoughts about this in terms of theology is on the final song. And I think, like, so, like I said, Hamilton is one of the ones we're doing. And so as I've been thinking about it, I'm like, I need to know what the pastor's, like, sermon is going to be about to be able to choose a song for this one. Like, I really just, you know, because obviously there's, like, a long, huge range of songs to choose from with this. um, And a huge range of, like, themes and things. So, but I think I'm, 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 like, leaning towards the final song in it because of, like, the fact that um, it kind of, is reflecting on you know life and like who lives who dies who tells your story yeah um and like also on eliza who i feel like you know is very like you know exuding a very good christian woman vibe i guess in the end starting an orphanage and uh speaking out against slavery um and like thinking about the idea of time, like you know, yeah. maybe I mean maybe the, I don't know what the vibe he's going to go with, but I might if I were doing a sermon, I might talk about you know the fact that like you know we don't always know how much time we're going to have. You know he he died pretty young in in that mm-hmm. duel, so yeah. And there's also the notion too of like we all leave behind a legacy of some mm-hmm. kind, and you can't control what how that legacy will play out in real time Mm -hmm. and it's kind of having it's like also that knowledge of having to kind of do your best with what you had in that moment and like obviously like as a person's day-to-day life versus the founding of the united states are two very different uh legacies to behold Mm -hmm. but the fact that everything we do has reactions everything we do has consequences so being Mm -hmm. careful of what you do and it almost kind of seems like a call of like harm reduction as well as like everything you do will leave behind something else and i also think like thinking about this in a meta way you know i mean what part of like lin-manuel miranda is doing is like who gets to tell the story of america like you know we need to think about who's telling the story and what how they're shaping it and that kind of thing yeah of course and i think there and like obviously there was the very pointed casting choice to have um mm-hmm. the whole cast be or I guess most majority of majority of <laughs> I think every every character who like has a named singing role is uh, yeah I think except for King George which makes perfect sense yes. um they're all people of color and I know that one of the criticisms is like yeah like you don't they don't go into you know the fact that a lot of the founding fathers owned people you know and it's like yeah like I I kind of wish that they had talked about that more you know but at the same time I think one thing that Lin-Manuel Miranda has said is that he wanted to create a musical about America that looked like America today. Mm -hmm. Um, And that included casting people who were white um, as people of color. And Mm -hmm. 
like there like there were definitely reasons that why he did what he did but i think unfortunately especially in like bigger fandom communities it's become this thing now where it's like oh my god george washington and thomas jefferson and it's like they owned people yeah like like they don't get me wrong like they did great things for the united states but they have complicated legacies and it's mm-hmm. like that's i think like even in Just, the, I mean, who I think- the guys who tells your story when Eliza says, like, I speak out against slavery, like, George... Yeah, she wasn't, yeah, she wasn't, you know, I think that's definitely exaggerating what she did, but... Yeah, and then, like, but it's interesting, too, because then, like, the... I can't believe I'm blanking on his name right now. Chris Jackson, who plays George Washington, he has a very specific acting choice when she says that, where he's, like, like, he almost has, like, a look of shock on his face, like, oh, like, I didn't... Hmm. Like, oh, like, you speak out against this thing that I did in a way like you were ahead of your time I guess mm-hmm. and some people maybe it's like an acting maybe it was like intentional maybe it wasn't but it's like I it's something that I know that in hindsight especially after Hamilton hype has died I don't think it ever actually died down but as it's died down like one of the criticisms is like we could have really looked at some of these characters in a much more critical like without changing the spirit of the story in, in much more critical light yeah, I mean, I think with everything, you know, that, like, every piece of media that's based off of, like, history, you need to take it with a grain of salt. Because just as, like, how, you know, Bible stories are interpreted when they're taken and made into other other media, like, other historical narratives are, you know, changed when they're interpreted into other media. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Oh, yeah. So do you want to, can you open up the Reclaiming the Garden Insta to read the piece from that's about um starry which is a musical that i had never heard of before but now i'm gonna like i mean i started listening to the soundtrack a little bit before we started recording this um it has a lot of star kid production people on it um dylan saunders plays uh vincent van gogh nice Um, yeah so um we got a submission because one thing we did ask for which i guess i can mention later at the start of the episode like i'll insert it in is we wanted to ask um people who listen to reclaiming the garden or people that have been on who have who love broadway and musicals and stuff to share their own experiences with musicals that ignite theological imagination and we got one from grace gorski who is 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 uh She's yes. one of my friends. Yeah, she, well, what's interesting, I didn't know she was a Holland's alum until, like, a few weeks ago when she sent me, like, a, a green heart, gold heart message on Instagram when I posted about my graduation. Um, oh, it's so cool. Yeah, and then I, because the thing is, when I followed her, it seemed like she was following a lot of, like, progressive Christian accounts, and she also, like, didn't, I guess, advertise the Holland's alum aspect, but, yeah, so she found me because of Holland's, and then she was, like, apparently at the time just starting to come back into Christianity, and so she, like, got into like content I was creating as well. So. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And so she sent us her opinions about a show called Starry. Um, and she says, so basically in 2020, I discovered the musical Starry and fell in love with it. It's about the life and art of Vincent Van Gogh. The concept album was constantly on repeat for the early part of the pandemic. Ooh, yep. Uh, my favorite song, Starry, has a bridge that goes, God, let my brush strokes become interwoven. Keep me alive, clarified and unbroken. Let me ascend into steady devotion. Give me the strength against all my erosion. Between the stress of the pandemic and mental health struggles that I've had my whole life, those words really resonated with me. To me, it is a prayer whether I sing or recite it, and I pray it probably more than any other prayer besides the Lord's Prayer, Um, which is incredible, which that is such a beautiful line, especially knowing about the life of Vincent Van Gogh as well and just how tormented of a soul he was. 
mm-hmm. and that like some of his most beautiful works were created in these rare moments of joy that he found like mm-hmm. like starry night um mm-hmm. so i definitely want to check out this show so grace thank you so much for sending that that in like i, I can't wait to share that show with people yeah especially because i think i looked it up apparently they're doing a workshop in the west end like maybe right now maybe it already ended already because i think it was like in april that they were i don't know putting it on oh okay. uh, but apparently jamie Moscato, the guy who played jd in weston heathers it was the the workshop person for Fingo. so i would definitely watch that yeah um, uh, anyway, speaking of Starkid, I just want to little, say a little note that yes, I'm late to the party, and now, but now I am obsessed with Starkid. <laughs> I, you know, I watched. Um, I guess I watched a Harry Potter musical, and I mean, like, as someone who didn't read the books, or I mean, I have vague memories of movies. You know, it was still like really funny. Um, but then what I've really gotten into are some of their more recent works, actually, like hmm. um, the guy who didn't like musicals. Um, and basically anything that takes place um, in the fictional town of Hatchetfield. They're kind of like, yeah, it's weird. They're kind of gotten into like this sort of niche of creating these like kind of comedy horror stories that take place in this uh, town. So. Huh. I know I haven't like, seen like the more, I think the last Star Kid musical I watched was Twisted and that came out like uh, a while ago. But yeah, I like Twisted too. Very that funny. one is so it's so good. And yeah, I grew up watching very the Harry Potter musicals, Holy Musical, Batman. Uh, saw them on tour when I was in high school. Hmm. Like I went with two of my friends, and we went, and we were just like ah the whole time. It was great. Um, I also had the biggest crush on Lauren Lopez, uh, mm-hmm. like uh, the actress who plays like Draco mm-hmm. Malfoy. Yeah. I had, like, the biggest freaking crush on her, and I didn't know it at the time. Um, yeah, so I think we're going to probably end it there. There are, obviously, there are obviously other musicals that we enjoy that don't really, you know, don't make us think about theology. And that's totally okay, because we can also just enjoy things for fun, like... Yeah, of course. <laughs> we just couldn't believe how many uh, musicals did spark our theological imagination that we had to make an episode about it. Um, so, yeah, thanks for letting us just completely fangirl during this episode. But um, I guess before we sign off high of the week um yes. do you have one april um oh well my graduation i uh, guess was, yeah. that was, i mean that was like two weeks ago at this point but um yeah for those who didn't listen to our little mini sode um you know i graduated in 2020 but didn't get a ceremony you know because of covid um and now um i finally did and um i got so i i was the uh, top of my class i had the highest gpa and for that i got a sterling silver pendant that has yes. um, my initials and class um class engraved on it um along with the holland's crest um which says um by the way lavavi oculus which um is the holland's motto it comes from psalm 121 it means mm-hmm. lift the eyes so, Oh, that's amazing. And I loved all of all of the photos you were posting made me so happy. I was like, she's been waiting two years for this moment. So congratulations on officially having graduated. And then also starting grad school in a few months as well, which is Yes. Oh my god. To think that like some point soon we're gonna be recording in my new place. (laughs) Yes, we'll be on the same time zone again. Which will be nice. Um, That'll be so convenient. Um so our next episode um, is going to be um, an Wait, interview I, with... I do high of the week. Oh, sorry. It's okay. I'll just cut <laughs> the last bit out. Um, yay! 
yeah so my high of the week um i guess it hasn't happened yet because granted i've been home for two weeks but i'm going to pride this weekend um i'm very excited it's the first Ooh. time <gasps> nice it's yeah, both, yeah, i think that we should both post on the reclaiming the art and insta about it yes yeah. um i am definitely i guess if you're listening here you'll i mean i guess by then it will have already happened i'm i got a bible dyke energy shirt and I'm repping, I'm repping it at Pride. Um, so I'm going to the Pride in the Park on Saturday. And then my church is going to the parade on Sunday. Um, and it's the first time I've ever actually been to a Pride event. So I'm very, very... Oh! Every year I was always either working or we were in a pandemic. And this is the year I was like, damn it, I am going to be out and queer and here and getting used to it. So I'm very, very excited. I'm going to march with the United Methodists. Yes! Yes! Awesome. So our next episode is going to be an interview with um, Richie X. Um, They are the host of the Recovering from Fundamentalism podcast. So we are very excited to have them on. Yes, definitely excited to hear their story and um, give their podcast a listen as well before coming to listen to ours. Because again, we want to just support all of our faith-based or all of our pod, all of our fellow podcast humans. Um, so I think that's about it, right? I think that's everything. Awesome. Thank you all so much for listening. Happy pride month, everyone. Happy Tony season. And I guess now praise and rage, be gay, praise and rage, be gay and into the plug. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Reclaiming the Garden. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Reclaiming the Garden or on Twitter at RT Garden Podcast. Be sure to check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, and you can always check out our merch store to get t-shirts, mugs, and other fun merchandise. If you are able to, please be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as it does boost us in the algorithm, but we are grateful that you are here and listening, so if that's all you can do, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you soon.